If you'll please turn in your Bibles to our text this morning, and that is the uh, letter of the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus and to us, hear now the word of the Lord. See then that you walk accurately or circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be under the controlling influence of wine, in which is dissipation, but be under the controlling influence of the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The grass withers, the flower falls, but God's word abides forever. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do come before you. We thank you, Lord, for this portion of your word. We thank you for uh, guiding the Apostle Paul through the work of the Spirit and inspiring this. This is uh, given by inspiration of God and is profitable for us. We do pray that you would enable us. Whether we are married or single, this is your word to us. Help us, Lord, to better understand what you are calling us to do as we walk with Jesus being seated in heavenly places in Christ, and now called to follow Christ as the Good Shepherd, and we are his sheep. Help us to be able to follow him in these commands. Uh, These are the words of Jesus Christ through the Apostle. And so we ask, O Lord, for your blessing as we consider these things now. In Jesus' name, amen. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we said earlier when we were preparing for worship today, What is the most popular scripture that you usually hear uh, quoted at a wedding ceremony? 
uh, even among non-Christians, and that is this love passage, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, and um, there was an author, there was a, a musician uh, years ago when, when I first came to Christ, so that's, we're getting into almost 50 years ago, uh, wrote this song, uh, basically quoting from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But then she said uh, kind of a summary, uh, something she added to it, which I thought was interesting. So I'll just read to you the lyrics. Although I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and though I prophesy and understand all, although I have faith so mountains may be removed, and though I feed the poor and give up my life, if I have not charity or love, agape, if I have not charity, if love does not flow from me, I am nothing. Now she's paraphrasing uh, that passage, but then she says this, Jesus, reduce me to love. Jesus, reduce me to love. Uh, I thought that was a fascinating way to respond to that. Love is patient and kind. Love does, is not envious, not proud, but gentle and meek. Seeks not its own. Love sings when Jesus prevails, believes and endures all things. Love hopes and bears all wrong, and love never fails. And then again, if I have not love, Jesus reduce me to love. So I thought that was a, a very powerful statement, isn't it? We're called to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We know we can't. Uh, Jesus, love through me. Uh, Paul will write in one place, uh, the love of Christ constrains me. It's not my love for Christ. It's Christ's love for me and for others. The love of Christ constrains me, takes, con captures me, controls me. Is un I am under his control. Isn't that what we talked about last week? We talked about submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ, his covenant servants, so here we find uh, an application concerning uh, marriage, husbands and wives. Which is harder to do, submit to authority or love? Think about it. What is harder to do, submit or love? So my main point there is in the bulletin, Jesus revealed the greatest love that was ever seen, ever by laying down his life for us. We see that in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. That's what he said. Greater love is no man than this. He also revealed the greatest submission ever when he came down from heaven, not to do his own will, but the will of the one who sent him. There is in John, chapter 6. We rejoice in the wonderful fruits of that loving submission to God the Father, which includes our eternal salvation and our relationship with God. How can you and I, how can we express our appreciation for this great love and service of Christ? By loving and serving him and the ones that he has placed in your life. So again, we've been working our way through chapters 4, 5, and 6. We're working in the response to grace, and that is walking with Jesus or walking in the love of Christ, if you want to, in verse 2, 
of chapter 5, walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor or aroma. So walking in Jesus or walking following Jesus is walking in the love of God found in Christ. So to be in Christ is to be in the love of Christ. To look at everything through that veil, through that sphere, if you will, the love of Christ. Walking in the love of Christ. In verse 15 of chapter 5, he says, walk in wisdom. Well, Scripture says that Christ is the wisdom of God. So if you want wisdom, if you want skill for living, walk in Jesus. Guided by Jesus, what he says, his word. His spirit, walking in wisdom. In chapter, in verse 18 of chapter 5, he says what? Do not be under the controlling influence of wine or anything else, but be under the controlling influence of the Holy Spirit. So we're to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, right? Paul says that elsewhere. So now we come to how do we do so? What is the expression of that? Well, Last week and this week, submit. Submit Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your husbands. Respect your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Practical application. So my first point, in order to do any of those things, you have to deny yourself. In order to love outside of yourself, you have to deny yourself. Why? Because we naturally love ourselves. Deny yourself. Take up his cross, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. What's the opposite of denying yourself? Indulging yourself, that's good. How about serving yourself? Paul refers to it as will worship. Isn't that an interesting way to describe self-service? I worship my will. Is that what sin is? Worshiping my will. I. Self-service. What about being self-centered? Do we have that tendency? When did it begin? When did being self-centered begin? It began when you became aware of yourself and those around you. I think, therefore, I am, and I'm from that point on. The natural man is self-centered. You don't believe me? Watch an infant. Deny an infant what he or she wants. And what do you see as crying bloody murder, right? I want it now. And I'm going to make your life miserable till you give it to me. Those of you that have older children, does that go away? Is maturing happen where you learn self-control? And, well, I can't get my way right now. Right? Is that the natural man in Adam? The natural man in Adam, it's all about me. Self-centered, self-serving, self-indulging. In other words, sin. That is the natural man. Not only individually, but do we see that in society? Are we watching the, the destruction of our nation, and destruction of our culture, destruction of the world because of self-centered, self-indulgent, self-serving? What about the average person? 
Where does this all come from? I have uh, illustrations here I'm going to skip over, like definitions, definition of marriage. What's the definition of marriage today? That is it the same as in the Bible, in our culture. What's the definition of marriage? Two people loving each other. Is that the definition that God gives in Genesis 2? What about family? Has family been redefined in our culture? How about gender? Has that been redefined, or sex, or gender, or whatever? Is that the natural man? It's all about me. What we have is we're back to the garden. What was the temptation at the, the tree? In the day you eat thereof, knowing good and evil. I like to translate it determining, knowing and determining good and evil. Is that what they did? Yes. They determined for themselves that eating of the tree was good. It's good for food. It's beautiful. It, it can make me wise. It can make me like God. I'm going to choose to do so. What did God command Adam and Eve to do? Well, to submit, right? Don't eat of that tree. That's the one command that I give you. You can eat of any tree in the garden, and there's this wonderful uh, uh, banquet of trees with all kinds of great tasting fruit, but don't eat of this one. And you want to watch a, a young child, uh, you want to see rebellion, tell them no. You can't do this. You can't say that. All of a sudden now, it's the one thing that that child wants to do. Did Adam and Eve obey God's command to submit and to love? And the answer is no. What about the average person? Do they want to submit to authority naturally? No. Do we love from the heart, our neighbor. No. But let's stop and think. What about our Lord Jesus Christ? Mentioned in my main point. Did he submit to the Father? Did he only do what the Father told him to do? Was there things in his life where he could want to do things to make his life easier, but because he was in submission to the Father, he had to go through the trial and testing. Think about in the garden praying. If there's any other way that you can remove this cup from me, but nevertheless thy will be done. How many times was Jesus tempted like us, yet without sin? All the days of his life. And yet our Lord Jesus Christ submitted to the Father. What was his motivation? Why did he do that? Because of love. Loved of the Father and love of us, those whom the Father had given him. So we're called to follow Jesus, to look to Jesus, first of all. Right? You can't follow someone unless you first look at him. You have to see him in order to follow him. And so what does the scripture say? Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And now is set, set down on the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such affliction of sinners. Lest you be weary 
And so the first thing, in order to understand and fulfill this particular command that we find, is to look to Jesus, to turn from our rebellion and to trust, to rely on, to believe in Jesus. Do you? Is he your only way to God? Do you say amen when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life? No man comes to the Father but by me. Is that an amen? All other world religions all say that's not true. Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, you name it, you go down the list. Animism, you name it. All say, no, that's not true. There's another way. And Jesus says, no, there's no other way. Are you trusting in Christ alone for salvation? Well, if you are, then this passage makes sense, and God's grace enables us to do so. And so again, that means, my second point, submitting to Christ. As we looked at last week, walking in the fear of Christ showing that respect is covenant servants of the Lord of Lord. Isn't that what we're called to do? Follow Jesus, walk with Jesus. Thus, he calls us all to submit to God's covenant structures. He's the creator, the definer, and the Lord of marriage. We're looking at marriage here. Marriage is not a human construct created by man. You understand that? If that was true, then man can redefine it as ever he wants or she wants, right? If it was a man-made structure created by man, then man defines the terms. But no, where was the first marriage? Who, who made, who conducted the first marriage ceremony? Who defines marriage? It is God. Where? Chapter Chapter 2, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So there's the definition. Moses says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and mother be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So that definition of marriage, marriage was established by God. He conducted the first marriage ceremony, if you will. And so he is the Lord of marriage. He is the Lord of the family. The purpose of marriage, the purpose of family, is to be a blessing. To be a blessing to God. Isn't that a weird thought? To glorify God. To reveal God. Is that what Paul is saying here in our text? There's a great mystery concerning Christ and the church reflected in the marriage. It points to Christ and the church. That's what marriage is about, is to glorify God, to reveal God. 
to reveal the eternal relationship between Christ and the redeemed of the Lord, his bride, the church. That's the purpose of marriage, primary, is to glorify God like anything else, right? He is the creator of marriage. He's the definer of marriage, and he is the Lord of marriage, and therefore, as the Lord, he can tell us what to do, right? If he's the boss, it's not the husband that's the boss, it's Christ that's the boss of every marriage. Is that important? Has there been misuse of this phrase, wives submit to your husbands? Have husbands used that against their wives? Acting like God? The answer is yes. It's in submission to Christ that this is that that's the context, is what I'm trying to say. Thus, he, our Lord Jesus Christ, can command wives, submit to your own husbands, but notice that, as to the Lord. So that submission is ultimately to Christ, isn't it? And is that freeing? Isn't that what we all are called to, is submit to Christ? There's no independent Christian. It's a, that's like saying, I'm a homosexual Christian. It's, that doesn't make sense. Okay? You're either independent in Adam or you're in Christ, and you're in submitted to Christ. He's Lord. What does Paul say in Romans 10? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, does that mean that he's the boss? That he's the one that we're in submission to? He says, jump, and you say how high on the way up? Right? Isn't that what we're called to do? Follow Jesus? Submit to Jesus? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. God created the woman to be a helper comparable to the man. She's not his servant. She's his number one counselor. She's his helper to his face, literally in the Hebrew, before him. He, she is a helper comparable to him. In the context, God brought all these different kind of animals, and none of the animals were comparable to him. And so he had to create woman. She's his equal. She's his counselor. A wise man listens to his wife. I've said it differently in other contexts. What's the way that I've said it in the past? The man who doesn't listen to his wife is a fool. That doesn't mean that, you, that he does what she says, but he listens to his counselor. I, I recently, someone said, something I thought was really interesting. She, uh, she said, uh, I won't say who it is, but uh, some, she said, is, it's easier to be a counselor than the person that has to make the decision. Does that make sense? The one who's responsible for the decision, ultimately. I can t give you counsel. You can take it or leave it. But if I'm the one that has to take the counsel and then make the decision and then live with the consequences of my decision, that's harder to do, isn't it? Than it is to just simply spout, I won't say spout off, but just give advice. Take it or leave it. 
Or I, had a, I have a son who was working as a general manager at a very large restaurant, and one of his comments was, heavy is the head that wears the crown. He was responsible for 200 and some people, employees plus customers, and it was killing him. He finally resigned from that job. One of the reasons was it was affecting him physically. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Submit, love, serve. And then at the very end, he says, respect your husband. That's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? When you're, when, just like your boss, right? When your boss decides to tell you to do something and it's really a dumb idea, you still are called to respect him even if he's wrong? Do you, are you having a hard time respecting the president of the United, the current president of the United States? I have a hard time respecting him. We're called to respect those in authority, respect the uniform, maybe not necessarily the man. Right? We're called to love. That love is expressed in submission to authority. Submission is the bind that ties. Anybody catch that? Did I mess it up? Submission is the bind that ties. What should it sound like? Submission is the tie that binds. But I'm saying submission is the bind because of covenantal union that ties us together, reinforces the relationship. Submission is the bind that ties, it holds it together. How hard is it to be able to be going into war and the, and the leader, the sergeant, or the, the commander says, follow me, and nobody's following. Right? It's what binds us together, is submission to authority. Submission to Christ and those that Christ has placed above us. Submit to Christ is the second point. But here is the greater command in our text. <laughs> Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Love your wives. Love one another. As Paul says, love, the love of Christ, constrains, compels, impels us. Husbands, you have an even more challenging command. Submit to Christ by loving your wife as Christ loves the church. Can you do it? Can you love your wife? As Christ loves the church and gave himself for it. I don't know about you, but that's an impossible command. To love as Christ has called us to. Christ has called us to. Notice three comparisons in our text. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as 
Christ loved the church. Notice verse 28. Husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. According to Genesis, you are united to her, you are one flesh. He goes on to say, no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Third comparison, in verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself. Love is patient. Are you patient with your wife? Love is kind. Are you kind to your wife, especially when she provokes you? Do I need to go down the the list, go and read it, study it? One of the things that helps me whenever I look at 1 Corinthians 13, I compare that with my treatment of my wife. I crash and burn and confess my sin. What helps me to know and helps me is if I substitute the word love with Christ, is Christ patient? Is Christ kind? Is Christ not provoked? Does Christ not envy? And the answer is yes, yes, yes. That's a description of our Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? And can Christ do that through me? The answer is yes, he can. What's the problem? I'm in the way. My pride, my selfishness, my self-centeredness is in the way. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. So it's a tough call. Brothers, does your love for your wife affect those around you? Does it affect your children? Does it affect your fellow employees, neighbors? The answer is yes. Can your wife say to you, or say, I feel loved? I'm not talking about after you have a conflict, but generally. Yes, my husband loves me. Can your children say, yes, my dad loves my mom. That I know. Can that testimony be found in the family? Now, what about those who are unmarried? Oh, this passage doesn't apply to me at all. I can just skate here. (laughs) That's for my mom and my dad. That's for those that are married. This doesn't apply to me, right? Look at verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Are you part of the church? Are you in Christ? We have um, sometimes, I don't know if you're, you ever see it, but uh, there are a number of young ladies, women, that live across the street that walk around with black clothes on and a little white thing there. Um, and they are um, unmarried. right? But when you talk to them, 
what will they say about themselves? They're married to Christ. Okay? That's their identity. Is that not our identity as well? If you are in Christ, is he the head? Are we part, part of the bride of Christ? Is it, now notice how I say part of the bride of Christ. There was an error in the Middle Ages where uh, the mystics said that I am the bride of Christ. And, and the, guys, <laughs> the guys would say, well, if that's Christianity, I want nothing to do with it. I'm not a woman. I'm a man. But is the church the bride of Christ? Is that what the Bible says? Yes. And so we are part of the bride of Christ. There's a difference, and there's wrong theology there. So everyone, all believers, single or married, are part of, are in Christ. This passage does apply to you. One of the ways that, uh, that it applies is the idea of growing deeper in your knowledge and appreciation of Christ the head. Okay. Isn't that what it means to be a disciple? A follower of Jesus says, I'm following Jesus and I want to get to know Jesus better because I'm going to be spending eternity with him. He's my Lord. He's the one that I am called to submit to. To respect, to honor, right? Isn't that last week's sermon? So it does apply. We're called to love, to walk in love. Again, notice in verse 2 of chapter 5, walk in, uh, therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us as an offering of sacrifice to God uh, for a sweet-smelling aroma. So we are called to walk in Christ, to walk in love, and to love one another, which is a fulfilling of the law. So we're called to walk in Christ. We're called to submit, to serve, to honor one another, and those in authority over us especially. So how do you do it? Through the love and grace of Christ, if you haven't heard that. I've said it probably three times already. Paul says what? The love of Christ constrains me, compels me, impels me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who gets the glory? God does. When they see your love, they feel your love. Ultimately, it's Christ's love. He gets the glory. Through the love and grace of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. You're not alone. What is, what is the Holy Spirit doing? He's applying the work of Christ in your life and through your life. Walk by faith. Trust in Christ and submit to him and his commands. Again, closing, if I have not love, if love does not flow through me, I am nothing. Jesus, reduce me to love. Jesus, reduce me to love. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we do thank you for your love revealed to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ and in the person and work of the Holy Spirit.
And we thank you that you have given to us not impossible commands in Christ, impossible in the flesh, yes, but not impossible in Christ. And so we ask, O Lord, that you would enable us as ways of saying thank you for all that you give, that you've given, give, and are giving us. Enable us, O Lord, to be able to say thank you by loving you, by submitting to you, and also to submit to those in authority over us and to respect those in authority over us and to love those in authority over us and those under our authority. Help us, Lord, to be good servants, faithful servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.